Happy Saturday evening, everybody. Hope everybody's preparing for church tomorrow. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today, reading Deuteronomy, the first chapter in the NLT. But first and always, we pray. Lord, we're honored and privileged to read your word. It's such a joy to know you, to know you through Jesus. We thank you for truth. We thank you, Lord, that despite all the things in this world, whether they're contrived or malevolent or illusion, Lord, we know that what we are reading and seeing is real and a broadcast of things to come. Thank you for loving us. We love you right back. We want to love you more. Give us the Holy Spirit to do so. Soften our hearts. Open our eyes to your word, to your truth, to the eternal reality of you as being part and permanent of our reality, Lord, who makes our reality and gives us a permanent place next to you forever. What a joy that is. What a joy divine. We thank you, Lord. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Well, you know, this internet, man, this thing is like a small G God, and it's very distracting. You can see all your TV shows. I discovered websites. I saw an, uh, an episode of the Flintstones, Flintstones that I have not seen for 40 plus years. It was amazing. And I also discovered uh, this other website, Pluto TV, I think, and they have like, you can watch Star Trek. And of course, I watched the old series Menagerie 1 and the Menagerie 2. And it was, uh, it was from Star Trek where the original captain, Captain Pike, was in an accident and Mr. Spock sort of, quote, abducts him, unquote, and then takes him back uh, to Talos 4. And I tell you, just looking at this, it's just amazing. And I see so many things in this. Like, you can look up, I looked up all the names of all the people uh, while I was looking at the show. What happened to them? How did they live? How did they die? Personal life. And uh, it's uh, unbelievable. And at the end, um, the guy from Talos 4, uh, because Captain Pike has been horribly scarred, so Mr. Spock wants to take him back to Talos 4 because they can give him an illusionary body where he can walk around again. And um, the guy says to Captain Kirk, we, we had an illusion of this uh, commander uh, with you because we knew of your strong will and we didn't want to surrender control to you too soon. I wonder if that's why God sort of takes control doesn't surrender control to us and yet we have control we have a choice we have a choice to decide if we want to be with God or if we don't want to be with God he gave us a choice but yet God is in control even if it doesn't seem so and then um, Mr. Spock uh, so Captain Kirk says I know about regulations but you could have come and talked to me because Mr. Spock, Mr. Spock was being court-martialed and the penalty for is death and Captain Kirk says, you could have come and you could have tell, told me. And Spock shakes his head and says, no, Captain, one of us is enough. One was enough to face the death penalty. Jesus came by himself so that he would, he would face the death penalty alone for us. Amazing what you can learn from a Star Trek movie, a Star Trek TV show. It aired in 1966. Actually, the pilot, the, the pieces was from the pilot in 1965. And then this show, um, the two, uh, part one and part two, The Menagerie, was from 1966. Wow, I was two years old then. Let's read. Um, Deuteronomy, introduction to Moses' first address. I did look this up on, in John MacArthur's um, study notes. And he says, the English title Deuteronomy comes from the Greek Septuagint, mistranslation of, quote, copy of the law, unquote, in Deuteronomy 17:18 as quote the second law which was rendered Deuteronomy Deuteronomium in the Latin version. 
So it's amazing uh, that this is Moses is addressing people of um, the uh, um, people of Israel. Um, And this is about, uh, as I was reading here, is that it's over a period of one month that he's giving them. These speeches can be dated January, February, 1405 BC. Wow, 1405 BC, and this is 2023. In the last few weeks of Moses' life, he commits these speeches to writing and gave them to the priests and elders for the coming generation of Israel. Isn't that something? So Moses is 120 years old, and he's he's been uh, he's been a prince for 40 years. Then he was in exile for 40 years, and then he is the leader and you know high priest of the people and sort of the prophet, and it's been 40 years. Uh, To me, this is a symbol of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which is all those things, and yet so much more. Let's read. Verse 1. These are the words that Moses spoke to all the people of Israel while they were in the wilderness east of the Jordan River. They were camped in the Jordan River, Jordan Valley near Supha, between Paran on one side, and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and De-Zahab on the other. Normally, it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, going by way of Mount Seir. But 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses addressed the people of Israel, telling them everything the Lord had commanded him to say. So this is 40 years. It wasn't supposed to be this long, but the other generation rebelled and didn't have uh, faith. So God let them wander for 40 years. And maybe we are wandering in the desert, the famine. This world is a famine of goodness. One day the world will totally be under God as king. People will be able to see him and interact with him. But right now God is the invisible king, I guess. And there's also an evil, quote, prince or evil, quote, king, unquote, uh, of this world, which is Satan. And he's also got his fingers in in the foray somewhere. But his time is short and his domination is coming to an end. Verse 4, this took place after he had defeated King Sihon of the Amorites, who had ruled in Heshbon, and King Og of Bashan, who had ruled in Ashtaroth and Idre. While the Israelites were in the land of Moab, king east of the Jordan River, Moses carefully explained the Lord's instructions as follows. When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, You have stayed at this mountain long enough. It is time to break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighboring regions, the Jordan Valley, the hill country, the western foothills, the Negev and the coastal plain. Go to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon and all the way to the great Euphrates River. Look, I am giving all this land to you. Go in and occupy it, for it is the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and to all your descendants. So God is giving them this land and God is not giving them this land because they're so wonderful, but because those people are messing it up and um, dirtying it, polluting it with their sins. Moses appoints leaders from each tribe. Moses continued, at that time, I told you, you are too, are too great a burden for me to carry all by myself. The Lord your God has increased your population, making you as numerous as the stars. And may the Lord, the God of your ancestors, multiply you a thousand times more and bless you as he has promised. But you are such a heavy load to carry. How can I deal with all your problems and bickering? I guess when people get together, that's what we have. Some people say, I don't want to go to church. There's hypocrites there. The answer is always, there's always room for one more. But church is still the best place to to, 
to be in the company of other Christians to help you think and help you to serve and help you to grow in your faith. You just can't do it by yourself. Even if you're a guarded, shy person, sort of like me, you still you can't do it by yourself. No man is an is a vacuum. No man is an island. No woman is a vacuum. No woman is an island. Even if you're a Christian with the Holy Spirit living in you, you still need to interact with other Christians. Verse 13, choose some well-respected men from each tribe who are known for their wisdom and understanding, and I will appoint them as your leaders. Then you responded, your plan is a good one. So I took the wise and respected men you had selected from your tribes and appointed them to serve as judges and officials over you. Some were responsible for a thousand people, some for a hundred, some for 50, and some for 10. At that time, I instructed the judges, you must hear the cases of your fellow Israelites and the foreigners living among you. Be perfectly fair in your decisions and impartial in your judgments. Here are the cases of those who are poor as well as those who are rich. Don't be afraid of anyone's anger for the decision you make is God's decision. Bring me any cases that, that are too difficult for you and I will handle them. So I guess I'm not super bright, but whenever I read the Bible, I'm not afraid if I say something that's wrong. I always tell people, you know what, I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you and pray about it and think about it and let the Holy Spirit guide you. And that's why I'm really not afraid. You know, I've heard people say, well, only some people can talk in a Bible study and we have all these different opinions and we just let it go. I don't agree with that at all. I've heard too many people say that. I've even heard a pastor say that. Not the pastor I have, but other pastors. And it's like, you know what? A person is a Christian. The person has Jesus. They are allowed to give their opinion. And the Holy Spirit will guide you to make a decision based on what you hear and what you yourself consider and what your IQ is if you trust in God. That's what trusting in God means. Because this is what he's saying. He's saying, do not be afraid of anyone's anger for the decision you make is God's decision. Bring me any cases that are too difficult for you and I will handle them. God does say that we are to make judgments by ourselves for some things, but some things we can have a group, we can have a consensus, we can have it where we compromise. And in that way, God will get us to the right decision if we trust him and trust Jesus. And that's why we pray to God in Jesus' name. We are showing God, we are showing Jesus, we trust you. We are asking you to guide our decision-making and that our words glorify you. And even if I say 90 stupid things in every chapter that I'm talking about, the fact is maybe 10% I will say something intelligent that God will give me to say. And you as a listener can listen and decide what you think is intelligent, what you think is bad. Um, and you can disagree with me on anything. But people get so bent out of shape and they get so angry. You know, if someone tells me what to believe, it makes me angry. I can disagree and I disagree with some of the doctrines um, that I have heard. But I can always say, leave it with me. Let me hear your perspective. Let me think about it for myself. And I will go to the Lord in, in prayer. And I think that's the right that I want to have for myself. And that's the right that I'd want to give to anybody. I'm not your savior. I'm not your. I'm not your minister. I'm. I'm just a human being. I make mistakes. I've. I've done stupid things. I admit this. But I have the Lord Jesus. I trust Him. I love Him, and I know that He's for me, and I know He's real, because He said so, and I believe the Bible, and I believe that God is my Father, and that when I have Jesus, God listens to what I have to say. God is interested in me. I don't have to do self-love because I know that I'm loved by God. So I feel worthy. I feel valuable. I don't feel worthy, sorry, but I feel like I'm worthwhile. I feel like I'm worth God's love. 
I would say that the same to anybody, but you got to believe it. You got to have faith. You got to have faith. You got to ask God for faith. I want to ask God for faith more and more every day, but I want to show him that I'm doing this by what I'm doing here. Yes, maybe I read too much. Maybe I need to do more things. Maybe I need to be more outgoing and things like that. I'm not a perfect person. I'm not trying to be outgoing. I've tried to be outgoing. It's not my stick. I'm usually the guy in the background. I'm happy to be the guy in the background. Let the superstar, let the charismatic guy in Christ go forward and be the leader. I do my best. Verse 18, at that time, I gave you instructions about everything you were to do. Uh, verse 19, then just as the Lord our God commanded us, we left Mount Sinai and traveled through the great and terrifying wilderness, as you yourselves remember, and headed towards the hill country of the Amorites. When we arrived at Kadesh Barnea, I said to you, you have now reached the hill country of the Amorites that the Lord our God is giving us. Look, he has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. But you all came to me and said, first, let's send out our scouts to explore the land for us. They will advise us on the best route to take and which towns we should enter. That seemed like a good idea to me. So I chose 12 scouts, one from each of your tribes. They headed for the hill country and came to the land of Eshkol and explored it. They picked some of its fruit, brought it back to us, and they reported the land the Lord our God has given us indeed is a good land. But, it says here, Israel's rebellion against the Lord. But, verse 26 starts with a but. Uh-oh, better get Mako. Uh-oh, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. So he says they made a bad decision or they did chose without God in the midst. You complained in your tents and said the Lord must hate us. That's why he has brought us here from Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. Where can we go? Our brothers have demoralized us with their report. They tell us the people of the land are taller and more powerful than we are and their towns are large with walls raising high into the sky. We even saw giants through the descendants of Anak. So I just said if we have the Lord that we won't make a bad decision. They thought they had the Lord and apparently they made a bad decision so they didn't have the Lord because, but, because Moses is saying you actually did wrong here. What part didn't they trust God in? What part did they instead of surrendering their pride and their narcissism and their self um self-control what part did what part of their control did they not surrender verse 29 but i said to you don't be shocked or afraid of them the lord your god is going ahead of you he will fight for you just as you saw him do in egypt and you saw how the lord your god cared for you all along the way as you traveled through the wilderness just as a father cares for his child now he has brought you to this place you know, I heard Dave Pawson, David Pawson, you know, he's got the playlist of the Old Testament. This man is so intelligent. He is so classy. I mean, you could cauterize 90, 99% of his brain. Well, he's dead now, but if he was alive and that 1% would still be working way above anything that I could possibly give you. This man is humble and meek and intelligent. You can just see the way he talks. And he says, God wants a, a, a loyal love. He wants love that's 100% loyal. Anything else he doesn't have any use for. You know, I'm just thinking, I came from a church that was disciplined and, and had the law and had people singing hymns and suits. And there's some nice people in there, but yet they don't want to be loyal to God. 
they want to say Jesus, but then they want to talk about somebody else as if that person is to be exalted as a prophet. When 2 Corinthians 10 verses 18 says, don't do that. Don't do that. Be 100% loyal to Jesus. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 18 says, For it is not the one who commends himself or herself that is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. The Lord did not commend this lady. She was a false prophet and a liar. And Deuteronomy 18 says, if someone makes predictions and they are wrong, that person is speaking presumptuously and you should not be afraid of that person. And yet all of these people that I know gave their allegiance to this person. What is God going to do with people who do this? The Bible says that Jesus will say to them, I never knew you depart from me. Has a person been taught wrong? Yes, we have been taught wrong things. Does God know the intelligence level of every person, what they know and what they can know? Yes. But that's why he gave us the scriptures that we might be able to test everything, the spirits that say God and say that they are coming from God, that we might know who is a liar. God wants a loyal a love that is loyal. He wants 100% loyalty to King Jesus. Verse 32, But even after all he did, you refused to trust the Lord your God, refusing to trust God, refusing to surrender your decision-making to God. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. Who goes before you looking for the best places to camp, guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. I've heard people say all the other religions except Christianity is about reverence for God. And it's true. On the outside, Christianity is supposed to be reverence for God, but it's supposed to be loving God to a relationship. You have a relationship with God first, and then you control yourself about your reverence. You can't really look at somebody else and tell them what to do. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control, not controlling other people. You have to control one person and one person only that's you. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. When the Lord heard your complaining, he became very angry. So he solemnly swore, not one of you from this wicked generation will live to see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb, son of Jufna. He will see this land because he has followed the Lord completely. I will give to him and his descendants some of the very land he explored during his scouting mission. We've all got problems. We have sins. We have weaknesses. The old man of sin is still roaring around inside of us. And the flesh um, combats the spirit. The law of the, of the flesh combats the law of the spirit, which is the inner law. We have to resist. We have to surrender everything to God. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. Whenever I read the Bible and I tell people what I, what I read... I'm also condemning myself too. As my ex-mother-in-law used to say, whenever you point the finger at somebody, three fingers point back at you. How true, how true. Verse 37, and the Lord was also angry with me because of you. He said to me, Moses, not even you will enter the promised land. Instead, your assistant Joshua, son of Nun, will lead the people into the land. Encourage him, for he will lead Israel as they take possession of it. I will give the land to your little ones, your innocent children. You were afraid they would be captured, but they will be the ones who occupy it. As for you, turn around now and go on back through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. 
Then you confessed, we have sinned against the Lord. We will all we will go into the land and fight for it as the Lord our God he has commanded us. So your men strapped on their weapons, thinking it would be easy to attack the hill country. For we all have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, except for one man who is now sitting at the right hand of God. But the Lord told me to tell you, do not attack, for I am not with you. If you go ahead on your own, you will be crushed by your enemies. Verse 43, this is what I told you, but you would not listen. Instead, you again rebelled against the Lord's command and arrogantly went to the hill country to fight. But the Amorites who lived there came out against you like a swarm of bees. They chased and battled you all the way from Seir to Hormah. Then you returned and wept before the Lord, but he refused to listen. So you stayed there at Kadesh for a long time. Relationships are hard. Relationships between God and man, between man and man, and between man with his internal perception of self. It's not easy. It's not easy. To me, Christianity is the greatest social science ever invented, but it's not just a social science. It's a relationship with an eternal God. Whatever you're doing in life is hard, but we're not pursuing life. We're pursuing, those things are second. What we are pursuing is eternity. Pursuing this life is hard, pursuing eternity is without God, he said all things, without me, nothing is possible. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Thanks for listening. Y'all take care. Enjoy yourself tomorrow.